we will be reading from the sixth chapter of the book of Mark, verses 1 to 6. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. And for those of you who are at home, if your, your Bible's with you, open your Bibles on the sixth chapter of Mark. And I'll be reading from the ESV. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hand on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. May the Lord be worshipped and praised by the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. We ask that you will be with us as we study your word. Lord, open our hearts today. Rebuke us. Teach us. Encourage us. And Lord, we pray that as we attune ourselves to you, Lord, you will direct us to the doing of your will. Be with your people today, I pray. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus, our rock, our redeemer, our divine teacher, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's all be seated. Today's sermon I've entitled, Marveled at Their Unbelief. Now, in the Bible, there were many instances of the unbelief of people, usually the Pharisees and some people. And there are also instances in the Bible that uh, Jesus marveled at the belief or the faith of some people. And... The story that we have just read a while ago in Mark chapter 6 is a discipleship moment for the disciples of Jesus because the disciples saw uh, many miracles performed by Jesus, the signs and wonders of Jesus. And now it will be another platform of discipleship, another angle of Discipleship. They will witness how Jesus, their master, their discipler, and how he would be rejected. This time, by his own people. His very own. And as you know, Jesus grew up from Nazareth. And so, he would be rejected by his own people. But digressing a bit, last week, um, Pastor Will gave us this sermon. And Jesus taught his disciple about faith. what faith is all about, and showing them who He is, that He is the Son of God. In fact, there was a display of His divine power. And Jesus revealed it to His disciples. He bid them to trust Him, and with Him being revealed as the Son of God, because even the nature obeyed Him. And with that, He bid them and deepen their understanding of faith in Him. And that was again, of course, as Pastor Well correctly pointed out, a discipleship moment for, for these 12. They were witnesses of this power. 
not only healing people, even nature, but deepening their faith in Him. So all of them, the realities of this lead to this truth that indeed Jesus is worth believing. He did not just perform signs, miracles, and wonders. Even the nature obeyed Him. But in this narrative we have read, disciples will learn something very different. When they were in the boat, there, were, there was a personal testing of faith to the disciples. In the boat, they learned the miracle signs and wonders. But this time, Jesus will teach them about faith, but this time, faithlessness. Another angle of faith. Now, there are two things I want to bring to you today on how the faithlessness of people will lead them to the rejection of the gospel, and we will not look very far, and how faithlessness, as Jesus would exemplify this, through their faithfulness, because of their faithfulness, they will not be able or they will be unable to experience God's power. And as the disciples of Jesus Christ, or we as disciples of Jesus Christ, what do these two realities, the first reality of rejecting the gospel and not experiencing God's power, what do these two realities expose us to? What truths behind people rejecting the gospel and not experiencing God's power, on the other hand, reveal about our discipleship journey? And so what? Why do we need to learn about faithlessness of people? Now, I'll go to the text. How did these people reject Jesus Christ? And when we look back into the story, of course, Jesus, he went away there and came to his own hometown, which is Nazareth, and his disciples followed him, and he began to teach. He began to read the scripture. The account of Luke gave us more details on that. And then when Jesus spoke, people were marveled at his authority and his preaching and teaching. He was not just eloquent, he spoke with authority. And we could read that in Mark chapter 6, verse 2. It says here, And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the, teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They marveled at him. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, it said they marveled at him. Many marveled at the way Jesus teach. But this is the reality. Not people who would marvel at somebody else's preaching, not all people who would hear the gospel would believe the gospel. I will not go far. Since that I do not have a speaker outside of this building, in this church. Many of you probably are here, looking at me, pretending to listen. Or perhaps thinking, ang galing naman ni Pastor Ruel, or ni Pastor Ganyan, ni Sister Ganyan mag-preach. But it doesn't mean that we're eloquent, it doesn't mean that we're persuaded, it doesn't also mean, it does not necessarily mean you would believe the gospel altogether. Look at these people. They marveled. 
Isn't that ironic? You already marveled at Jesus' authority and teaching, but still remain to be faithless. In fact, in the same breath, if we read in chapter 2, he said here, when they were astonished by Jesus, and they quickly asked, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his son? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters are here with us? And they took offense at him. At the same breath that they marveled at the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the same breath, they also took offense at him. Hindi lang yun. Even before they, uh, they, they uh, uh, later on took offense at him, they even questioned uh, Jesus Christ. They questioned him. They questioned his authority, his qualification. They questioned his pedigree, meaning his family lineage, his family background. And you can relate with Jesus. Meron na ba sa inyo nagtanong, nag-question your background? What is your occupation? Sabi nila, it's not the son of a carpenter because during those times, as you know, when you, uh, you, you would usually follow the trade of your family or trade of your father. So, of course, Joseph was a carpenter. It most probably and most likely, Jesus was also, uh, also became a carpenter. That's how it was in the olden times. Navy po yung tatay ko. Buti na lang hindi ako naging Navy. Kung hindi, meron po siguro akong beret and all of that. But I'm not for it. Did someone question your occupation? Ano ginagawa niyo sa Singapore? Ano na sasabihin niyo? Eh, DH lang ako. Ah, taga-kuskus lang ako doon. So, nagsabi sa inyong lang. There's dignity in labor, mga kapatid. Tigil-tigilan niyo yan, ha? Ako'y DH lang doon. but may lang? Marangal na trabaho ay karangal. Ang maghiya, kayong mga nasa Pilipinas, sa tambay lang, kayong mahiya, hindi kami. Marangal na trabaho, sabihin nyo, ang mga household service employee. Di ba? Marangal na trabaho, ikarangal, para sa Diyos. Hindi yung sabihin nyo lang, ang mahiya, kayong mga magnanakaw sa gobyerno. Honorable ang tawag sa inyo, mayor, magnanakaw kayo. Kayong mahiya, hindi kami. There's dignity in labor. As a Christian, you should be dignified. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Be dignified. There's dignity in labor. Oh. Huwag niyo sabihin lang. Kayo na sa Pilipinas, mga tambay-tambay kayo. Mayahiya kayo, ha? No, I say that kasi election din, ano? Were you questioned about your occupation? You're in good company. Jesus was questioned. And another is, His qualifications. Ano bang ginagawa niyan? Di ba kapatid lang ni Gayeng yan? Ba't nagtuturo yan? Tapos ba yan ang Fuller Theological Seminary na Axe College? May masters ba yan in theology gaya ni Pastor Well? Ganyan? Wala po akong tinapos gaano. But you know, people would question you. May tinapos ba kayo? College graduate pa kayo? Hindi nga eh. Hindi ma'am. College graduate naman po ako. Uh, but people would question you. And Jesus was questioned. At hindi lang yun, pati family background kinalkal nito mga ito. 
Because they took offense. Why would such person speak so much authority and graciousness and this is great? And then they took offense at the person. They took offense on what he said. And Luke chapter 4 will give us an account of what he said. Look at this uh, Luke chapter 4. And I will start from these verses. On verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight of the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And of course, He said so many things uh, down after, but they took offense on the person of Jesus Christ. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, Jesus had become an offense to the religious and pretentious because they do not like this Jesus who would preach about all of these things, who would hang out with sinners, dine with tax collectors, heal demoniacs, treat outcasts with dignity and respect. They don't like it. They are offended by the thought of grace. He disturbed the religious order. He was a misfit to the world of holy hypocrites. They were threatened as Jesus exposed their fake religiosity with the real meaning of grace and the true essence of holiness. They were threatened by it. Why would this Jesus be like this? He should not dine with sinners. He should not be cozy with these tax collectors, be a friend of the prostitutes. Dapat kasama namin siya, mga banal. Hindi nagsasabi ng masasamang salita. Hindi dapat ganon. Sino tong Jesus na ito? Anak lang naman niya ng karpintero. He was not taught by a rabbi. But Jesus exposed them and they were offended by Him. And you know, I won't go far, I said. Are we all here offended by grace of God? We are. We do. How we become offended by the grace of God when we welcome sinners in this church? We choose who to come here, don't we? If anyone who comes here sinner, I will not name the sin. You think of the worst sin, they would come here. How would we as people of God who profess to know grace, who loves grace, treat that person here inside this church. And so people say, bakit natin sila pinapasok? Bakit natin sila niyakap? Hindi ba dapat wala sila rito? Magbihis muna sila ng maganda. Huwag muna sila maglagay ng headred-headdress. Dapat ganun. Hindi yung bagay dito. You'll be offended by Jesus because Jesus would have embraced them. Huwag tayong magpanggap. Na-offend din naman tayo sa grace eh. Pag yung tao na to na pinatawad ni Jesus, hindi pwedeng patawarin yan, matindi kasalanan yan. Eh. Ako, chismoso lang. <laughs> Pero yan, nang babae yan, nang lalaki yan, member yan ng isang grupo, alam niyo kung ano, ng ABCDEFG yan, hindi yan pa pwede rito. Hypocrites! Why? You're offended by the grace of Jesus as Jesus would still love them? You're offended all by the grace of Jesus, aren't you? They were. They were. So when people come here, broken as you like you and me, how are we going to accept them? 
papalitan natin sila ng damit, or they will say, we will say, come, you're all the more welcome, dear. Come and taste that Jesus is good. Jesus can change your life. That's how not to be offended by the grace of Jesus. Ayaw ng mga parisa yung ganyan. Ayaw nila. And if we reject that grace of God, you know, this is what will happen. The truth about those who reject the gospel of Jesus isn't rosy. For those who will not believe it, like these people, this is what the scripture says to them. I will read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. When the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on the day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Now, I won't go very far because you see, this is the gravity of the offense of these people. They were inside the synagogue as you were here in the church. Jesus wasn't preaching in a public place. Am I right? He was preaching where? He was preaching inside a synagogue. And who are the people inside the synagogue? The Jews. The people who profess to know God. And this is the tragedy. This is the gravity of the offense. Those people who profess to know Jesus Christ, who seems to say that they know God, who read the scriptures, read the prophecies, are the ones who do not believe and reject the gospel. I will say this once and for all for you because this might be my last time. After this, you might oust me. If you are here in this church, and you do not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is what is going to happen to you. Revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel. They will suffer punishment of eternal destruction. You will suffer punishment of eternal destruction. You are already here. You know the scriptures, mas matindi ang punishment sa inyo. Nandito na kayo. You might as well know Jesus. I hope and I pray lahat kayo makita kita tayo sa langit. It will be pitiful. It will be pitiful, my dear brothers and sisters. If you will be here listening to us, marvel at me. But at the same time, you will not have faith in Jesus Christ. What a pity. Kayo ang sinasabihin ng 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 10. How I wish I could not also say that. But that is the truth. I care about your soul. Believe, repent, have faith. This might be my last time. I don't know. But I will tell you this. Jesus is here. Come to Him. He is good. The world outside is not good. Your sins are not good. They will just lead you to destruction. Come to Jesus. That is where you will find your soul. That is where you will find your happiness. Not with your sin. Saglitan lang yan mga kapatid. Don't have a momentary of bliss for eternal damnation. Don't. Look at these people. Silang sinasabihan ng Panginoon. Nandito na kayo. 
you might as well listen to the Word of God. And what is the effect? They do not experience God's power. Nandun na sila, di ba? Kilala nila si Jesus. Kababata nga nila si Jesus, di ba? They were, his, they were from Nazareth, am I right? But they did not experience God's power. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, He could not do no mighty work there. In Capernaum, He did a lot of things. But in His Nazareth, He could not do no mighty work there. What a pity. What a tragedy. Isn't that tragic? And they rejected truth about their condition. And they took offense. Let's look at Luke chapter 4 because Luke gave us a little bit of detail. And so, when they started to question Jesus, oh, who Jesus is? Anak ng karpintero, daming question, pedigree niya, qualification, trabaho niya, etc., etc. And Jesus answered them. And Jesus gave two references in the Old Testament which they took offense. Jesus made reference to these two OT stories. The first story was the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings. You could read that in your sweet time. And another is Naaman the Syrian. We read here in chapter uh, 4 of Luke, verse 25. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. He referred to the widow of Zarephath in the first, first Kings chapter 17, verse 824. And another reference on how Jesus rebutted the uh, people in the synagogue who were questioning him, another story or a reference he made was a story of Naaman the Syrian. We could find the story there in Second Kings. And he said this, and there were many lepers in Israel in the times of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. This is what happened when Jesus made reference to these two stories. We read from chapter verse 28. When they heard these things, all, hindi few, all, like all of you here, all, well, like exception, all, in the synagogue, were, ano pong nakalagay sa translation sa inyong Bible? We're just annoyed? What was the term used by the scripture? Wrath. Nagalit sila kay Jesus. They rejected. Now, any Jewish learner would really be offended with these two references. You know Why? Because as you would know in a nutshell, these two stories, the background of these stories, if you would read, so please do read these stories. Our Sunday school teachers and our Sunday school uh, kids would know this. They know this like the back of their hands. These two stories speak about the rejection of God's people, the prophet. And after the rejection came their downfall, came their punishment. You know, the widow of Zarephath, you know, the Zarephath is a gentle place during the reign of Queen Jezebel, the wicked queen. Of all places, ang daming nagugutom noon sa Israel, why would God choose a place inside the kingdom of Queen Jezebel and to this widow who is inside a Gentile place? 
Gentile ito eh. And another story was there were a lot of people needing healing in Israel. Of all people in Israel, God chose Naaman the Syrian. Syrians were in constant war with the Israelites. And so what Jesus was telling them is this. These people were chosen by God. Not you. Kasi matitigas ang ulo ninyo. You rejected the gospel. You rejected God's messengers. In fact, pinapatay niyo pa sila. And what happened next? You receive the wrath and the judgment of God. You will be punished. So sabi ng mga nakilig sa kanila, ah, so sinasabi nito, paparusahan kami ng Diyos. We now are accursed by God. Isusumpa kami ng Diyos. That's how they interpreted that language. And so they were offended. Aba, kinokwestiyon lang naman namin na hindi ka graduate ng Bible school ah. Kinokwestiyon lang naman namin na karpintero ka. Kinokwestiyon lang naman namin kung saan galing kang pamilya. Sabi mo sa amin, matitigas ang ulo namin at hindi kami, at kami ay mag-receive ng judgment from God. Pero Jesus ka, sobra-sobra ka. And what it led them to become very violent and contemptuous. In Luke, we have seen here, Mark did not record this and Matthew did not record. When they heard this, they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built so that they could throw him. They were filled with wrath. They're willing to kill Jesus. Hindi nila ipapako sa cross right then and there. Tutulak na lang nila sabangin si Jesus. But Jesus was miraculously went through, straight through them. Kasi ang propesya, mamamatay siya sa krus, hindi siya mamamatay sa bangin. But look at these people. You know, this is the tragedy of this. The tragedy is that they are the people of God. They are people of synagogue. Could you imagine that? Isn't that a tragedy? Nandito ka na sa loob, eh, nakalabas ka pa. Nandito na kayo mga kapatid. Intindihin ninyo ang gospel ni Jesus. Faithless people. Because faith, my dear brothers and sisters, is not just a mere mental assent. It is not just because, oh, I have faith. I believe Jesus is my heart and I accept Him my Lord and personal Savior. Yes, I know. That is not what faith is all about altogether. Faith is this. And this is what Jesus is telling you about faith. Faith is following Him. If you really have faith, you will follow Jesus. You will obey Jesus. You will live and look and think like Him. That is faith. Everybody, Tom, Dick, and Harry could say they believe in Jesus. That's not the story. Hindi yun ang issue. Ang issue ba dito, sabihin ko, ay, naniniwala ko kay Jesus. Lahat naniniwala kay Jesus. Kahit yung taong grasa, naniniwala sila kay Jesus. Is that faith? Faith na yun sa inaasaaten? Hindi. Faith is this. Are you willing to obey Jesus? Are you willing to give your life to Jesus? That is faith. Am I willing to live my lifestyle of sin and follow Jesus? That is faith. Bakit? Iiwan ko yung aking masarap na kasalanan para kay Jesus? Sino ba itong Jesus na ito? That is faith. Leaving all behind for Jesus. That is faith. Action. Hindi sa salita. Look at the people in the synagogue. Magagaling to. Mas magagaling pa sa atin to. 
And that is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 to 39, He said this with lament, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stone those who are sent to it, how often would have gathered your children together as hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. See your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, the reality is this. Not all people we will share the gospel with we would listen to us and would accept the gospel. That's reality. Discipleship 101. Hindi lahat ng taong sinisharean nyo maniniwala sa sinasabi nyo. So pag di sila naniwala, titigil na tayo. Look at what happened to Jesus. Naniwala ba sa kanya yung mga townspeople niya? Hindi. But we will read in the story in Mark chapter 6, he still healed people there. Not so many. The Bible says few. Did he stop teaching? No, he did not. He still continued teaching among the villages. The reality is, people will reject the gospel. Your duty, our duty as believers of Jesus Christ is to share, to preach, to teach it, and live that out. The conversion, the illumination, and the, the regeneration is not your work. It's the work of God. A while ago, my wife told me, tinan mo tong anak mo, mukha gusto niya na siya maging mesias kasi ang pang topic ng Sunday school, to serve others. Ang nilagay ng anak ko, I want to save others. You see, saving others is not your call. That's the work of God. Your duty is to share, to preach, to teach, and to live out if you have faith. That is our call. Imbitahan nyo lang sila, imbitahan sa Mapex, kahit na ayaw nila, bibigay din yan sa tamang oras ng Diyos. Mga asawa ninyong hindi pa kristyano, share nyo lang ng share ng scripture. Mga anak ninyo na walang panampataya, share nyo lang ng share ipanalangin nyo lang ng ipanalangin. Alam nyo, sabi ng nanay ko, wala daw ibang mabisa kundi panalangin ng isang ina. Totoo yun, naniniwala ako doon. Kaya ako nandito ngayon kasi nanay ko siguro, pray ng pray sa akin talaga. Sa katalang ulo niya siguro eh, no? Pray, share, teach. The conversion is not your work, it's the work of God. Share it, preach it, live it out. And so, before I end, let me lead you to this word, marveled. The word marveled in the word that we have just used a while ago, um, has this Greek word thomazo or thaumazo. Um, si Pastor Ruel ang expert dito. Latin kasi ang inaral ko eh. Marveled, thaumazo. And you know, you, you linguistically, this is very interesting to me. You know why? Sa linguistics, meron kami tinatawag na wrong collocation, improper collocation. Ibig sabihin, mukhang hindi sila bagay eh. marveled at their unbelief. Pag unbelief, negative word yun, di ba? Unbelief. Dapat sana, ang sinabing salita ay ginamit na Jesus was frustrated with their unbelief. Jesus was saddened by their unbelief. Jesus was disdained by their unbelief. Yun ang baga. Yun ang proper collocation. 
Pero dito, marveled na mangha si Jesus sa kanilang kawalan ng pananampalataya. Parang hindi bagay. Wrong collocation. Linguistically, I said, wow, this is very interesting. But you know, it's very, very wise and at the same time, very, very genius in the way how was this written. You know why? Because in that linguistic environment, while it is something that is improperly or unusual collocation, at they don't belong together, this is to tell us that the unbelief of these people is, was just too great. The unbelief of these people was absolutely big. This unbelief, the unbelief of these people is so grave. Why? Because these people are the ones professing God that they know Him. These people who supposed to have faith in God, these people who profess to have known God, as what I'm saying, who read the scriptures, read the prophecy, witness the work of God in their lives, who regularly goes to the synagogue and do all the religious things, these people, they refer to these people like you and me here. I won't go very far. Like you and me, we read the scriptures, we come to the church every day, we sing for God, we pretend to serve God, but Jesus would marvel at our unbelief. And that is to say how grave that unbelief would be. Mas matindi yung unbelief ng taong nasa church kesa nasa labas ng church. Bakit? Nandito na kayo eh. Hindi pa kayo natinag ng gospel ni Jesus. Anong nasa puso natin? Matindi siguro talaga. But dear brothers and sisters, I will tell you the warning. Destruction will come. There might be no tomorrow for us. Today is the day. If you are a young person and you're still out there enjoying your sin, come stop it. Stop it now. Come to Jesus. Come and taste that Jesus is better than your sins. Jesus offers better. Jesus offers better all the time. Anong proof namin, isa-isa kami magte-testimony sa inyo na yung mga kasalanan namin na gustong-gusto namin, iniwan namin kasi naisip namin mas mabuti, mas mahusay, mas kaaliw-aliw si Jesus. Their faithlessness will leave us all speechless. In a way, this purports that the gravity of the faithlessness of these people is too great. In another story, and I'll end here, in another story, Jesus also marveled. And the word thaumazo was also used. This time, in Luke chapter 7, verse 9, Jesus marveled, thaumazo, at him, and turning at the crowd, and I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And this is a story about the centurion. The story goes like this. There was a centurion who helped the synagogue, very popular among the Jews. And this centurion has a servant. Imagine how good he is and he got, how good he was. He would be even, he, he cared so much about this servant of his. And this servant was very, very sick. And so the people uh, told Jesus, could you help this centurion? And Jesus said, okay, I will help him. And even before Jesus came to the place, the centurion stopped him and said, you don't need to come. 
say the word, and he or she will be healed. And Jesus thomazo at that faith. Eh, yung iba, gusto pa akong kalag ka rin ako eh. Sabi nung centurion, hindi mo na kailangan pumunta. Say it. It will happen. What a faith. Jesus marveled at him. Jesus marveled at the faith of that centurion. A Roman, a Roman soldier who does not believe in God. A faith that exemplified humility. A faith that outstanding belief, not just a mere mental assent, but a wholehearted, complete, and absolute trust. And to tell Jesus, Jesus, just say the word. You don't need to come. Faith that leads us, faith that leads this, the dysenturion to have faith and belief in Jesus. This centurion who built this synagogue, the, the, the accounts would tell us, he might be looking for a deity, but he found Jesus. He found him. In fact, Jesus found him first. He put his faith in Jesus. He experienced God's grace and mercy. What an opposite to the two things I was telling you a while ago. He did not reject the gospel. He was able to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he experienced God's power. And I will end here, my dear brothers and sisters. When we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is faith for you to leave that out, for you to share. People will mock us, will ostracize us because of what we say and do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the reality, discipleship 101 is this. The gospel that we're preaching, this gospel, this good news will be offensive because this is foolishness for those who are perishing. But for those of us here who believe, who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I know, I know, I know you know this. And you've experienced this. The power of the cross, the message of the gospel, of Christ's sacrifice, of His love. And you find that beautiful because God opened your eyes to it. It is offensive to the unrepentant because it calls them to turn away from their sins and give up their delectable sinful lifestyle their flesh so crave. And that's why the gospel is offensive to the unrepentant. The gospel is also offensive to the pretentious religious people because it exposes their hypocrisy and their mere failure to exact into God's holiness they so profess they do. The gospel is offensive to the intellectuals because they could not comprehend with their logic the power of reversal and the paradox of Christ's humility. But for us, whom God has shown mercy to sinners like you and me here. The gospel is beautiful because this gospel led us all to the grace that saved us and to the love that redeemed us all. This love leads us all to Jesus who told the woman who was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. This message of the gospel that leads that person And Jesus telling that person, that paralytic, go and sin no more. 
this Jesus and His gospel when He said in the most forgiving moments in history, right at that very cross where God could have crushed us and demanded payment from us, this is what Jesus said in His love in the message of the gospel. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. I do sincerely hope, my dear brothers and sisters, that you will come to Jesus and Jesus will marvel at our faith, not with our unbelief. I mean faith following Him, living for Him, and leaving our sinful lifestyle and coming to Jesus Christ. And lastly and finally, I do sincerely hope that our discipleship journey with people whom entrusted to us, we will be patient to them. If you're a care group leader, you're leader of the ministry, be patient to the people that you are entrusted to. Like you, they're also broken. Like me, I'm broken. If I made a mistake, would you harbor me? Would you love me? If you discover that I failed, would you love me? Can I tell myself, if I fail, I can go to Living Word Fellowship because I know this people is my safe place. Can I say that? Can you say that? Can we be a safe place for sinners like you and me? Because this is what we preach. This is what we teach. Because this is a power to us. The gospel, none other. I do sincerely hope you will be encouraged and be really coming to that reality that this place, this church, is for the people who want to have faith in Jesus Christ, no matter who they were and no matter who they are. That is what we preach. That is our power, the power of the gospel. That saved us. And I hope and pray this church will come to that realization that our role is to preach that saving gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are with us. Father, thank you that this message about the cross, foolishness to the world, but for us it is power. Father, may you marvel at the faith that you're giving us. May you marvel, O oh Lord, that despite, Lord God, that we want to do sins that we so crave, Lord, give us and aid us, O oh Lord, that we would be able to live that sinful lifestyle and come to you and taste that you are good because you're inviting us, that you offer better. You offer yourself. You are our joy. And Father, today I pray for those people who are here in the synagogue, who are in this church, if they have not yet known you, if they are living that life, Father, I pray that you will convict them, that you will tell them, son, enough, daughter, enough, come to me. Live that lifestyle. Live that sin. Come to me. Enough. You're tired. Come. Come home. Come home. Come home. Father, I pray that the Living Word Fellowship will be a safe place for those people, broken people like me, 
like Pastor Ruel, like our elders here, like our leaders here, broken. And then we will find this space, a safe place for all of us. And we will find the gospel here and say, go and sin no more. Go and come and taste that Jesus is good. Come and taste this Jesus is worth all your life. Father, today I pray you will touch your people today. Encourage them, be with them, speak to their hearts powerfully. And so they will experience the power of your word. Thank you, Father. Speak to our young people today, I pray. In the midst of the many influences they are now facing. Father, I pray that they will come to the reality of your truth. I pray, Father, for people who are undergoing tremendous stress, for people who are waiting for something. Father, may you be their hope. You are their hope. And Father, for those people who are sick, who are lonely, Father, may they have faith that you are their healer. May you find faith in us. In the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our faithlessness, Lord, increase our faith. Father, bless your people today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let us all stand to receive the benediction. And let us pray. Lord, may your blessing, love, and power be experienced by your people through the grace of our Lord Jesus and with the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so may the love of God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the begotten Son of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, be with you all as you obey His will and live out the truth of God's Word in the name of our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God will respond with Amen, Amen, and Amen. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters. Go well in peace. Live out that gospel of Jesus Christ. And for those of you who have joined us online, thank you. Join us again next week. Live out the gospel. Be transformed by the gospel. Amen.